Well, thank you guys for leading us in worship. Appreciate you all, and thank you for joining us. Really glad that you are here this morning. I have a couple things I need to let you know about just before we jump into the sermon this morning. The first thing is that we have a baptism service coming up. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, and if you have never made a decision to be baptized into uh, the name of Jesus as a as a you know a, a decision that you have made, then please talk to us. We would love to connect with you about that. Uh, the second thing, uh, this is the last week of our series through the book of Philippians. I'm so super sad, but uh, we finally got the, uh, the, the, the prizes for those of us who memorized that uh, chunk of scripture. So if you did that, come and see me after the service because finally we have a prize for you. Pretty excited about that. The other thing that I wanted to mention is that uh, as Scott said, next week we are starting our outdoor services. We are so super excited about that. One of the things that means, though, is that if there is bad weather, what do we do? Um, here's what we're going to do. Rather than be on this end of the building, we're going to be on that end of the building. We are going to stay in our cars. You'll be able to tune in to a radio station and be able to hear everything that's going on. Last summer, it was difficult because there were kids in the car and it was hard. What's going to happen, even in bad weather, is the kids are going to come inside, okay? So no matter what, kids are coming inside, and uh, adults will be outside. So in good weather, we'll be over here with our lawn chairs, and bad weather, we'll be on that end of the building in our vehicles. I invite you to that. Just a couple of weeks ago, the Golden State Warriors won the NBA championship. This is their fourth title in eight years, and they won behind the uh, stellar play of the best shooter in NBA history, a guy by the name of Steph Curry. Now, Steph is an interesting uh, guy. He, at some point in the past, has made a profession of faith in Christ. I don't know if he's living for the Lord right now, uh, but one of the things that he has done since he played in college is he would write a Bible verse on his sneakers. And interestingly, the, the Bible verse that he would write on his sneakers, even to this day that he writes on his sneakers, is one of the verses that we are going to talk about this morning. Now, the interesting thing, as I looked into, uh, you know, what he thought about or why he wrote this on his sneakers, uh, it, it is uh, possible that he uh, might look at this a little more as a superstitious uh, mantra type thing, and, and that's, a, that's a different religion, that's not Christianity, although I, I certainly can't judge his heart. And the verse that he writes on his sneakers, we'll throw up a picture of it right here, is from Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, which says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Uh, the question that we have before us this morning, though, is, uh, was the intention of the Apostle Paul that this verse would be an encouragement to us to shoot three-pointers better? Is that what Paul was trying to say? Well, we're going to look at that. So if you have your copy of God's Word, I would love for you to open it with me to Philippians chapter 4 as we close out our series in the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 4, uh, we're going to walk from verse 10 all the way down to the end of the book. We'll take it in chunks, though. We'll start verse 10 to verse 13. Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 10. Here's what the Apostle Paul writes. He says, I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, living in plenty or in want. I can do all this 
through him who gives me strength. All right, well, let's march down through these verses to start. The first thing that we need to notice is right at the beginning of verse 10, he says that word again. This is the word that has been the, the, the theme all the way through the book. And what is that word? It is, starts with an R and ends with? Rejoice, rejoice, right? He says, I rejoice. Now, it's interesting because in the original language, the word that he used, he actually says, um, I have mega joy. That's the word, megalos is the word that he uses. He says, I have mega joy. Why does he have mega joy? Well, remember the context which Paul is writing. As he is writing this, he is literally chained to a Roman centurion 24 hours a day. He cannot leave the house in which he was residing. And even though that is the case, even though he's chained to this soldier and, and he can't leave the house, he still has to figure out how to feed himself, how to keep himself warm, all these things. He is living in a really, really difficult situation. And yet, he says, I have mega joy. I have mega joy now that the Philippians have sent this gift with Epaphroditus for him. Now, in English, verse 10 doesn't render certain, uh, super well. And it doesn't matter which translation you're looking at. If you look at verse 10, in English, it kind of sounds like he's um, being a little cheeky, right? Sounds like he's like, finally, like with the eye roll. You know the eye roll? My daughter has that down. Any, anybody with daughters that have the eye roll down, okay? Like, finally, oh, finally, you got it together. That's, but that's not what he's saying. That, that's not how, uh, what he's writing. What he's saying is he's saying thanks. He's saying, guys, thanks. Um, and just to make sure he doesn't get this misinterpreted, just to make sure that, that the Philippians don't think that he's being sarcastic, he goes on to explain how he's not in need, he's just thankful. Now the truth is, he is in need. But he's like, I, I, I'm not in need, guys, I just can't eat. I'm not in need, guys, I just can't stay warm. I'm not in need, guys. He actually is in need, but Paul has learned one of those life-altering, life-changing secrets. Do you know what the secret is? If he was alive today, probably someone would write a book about this. It would become a self-help bestseller. Actually, it might not in our society because it's so kind of counterintuitive to us, but here's what the secret is. The secret is contentment. Contentment. Look what he says in verse 11. He says, I have learned to be, what's that word? Content, whatever the circumstances. Now that sounds easy. That sounds simple, but it's not. And here's why it's not. Because contentment leaks. Did you know that? Everybody say that, say contentment leaks. Contentment leaks, it really does. Contentment is one of those things that, that even if you can find contentment and hold it in your hand, it just leaks through your fingers. Many of you are new enough to Blue Water that you may not know that when I started um, on staff here at Blue Water, I was the worship pastor. And um, they, they don't let me play music anymore, that probably tells you how good of a worship pastor I was. I had to give back my music card at one point, and Andy won't give it back to me. Um, but I decided when I started that, you know what, if we're going to do this, I need a decent acoustic guitar. 
So um, I, I scrimped and saved, and I visited every guitar shop between here and Toronto, and, and I played every guitar. I played them all. And guitars are interesting. If you're a guitar player, you know that um, you, know, uh, you don't choose the guitar. The guitar chooses you, you know what I'm saying? Like, um, and and so, I, so I played all these different guitars, finally found, it, found the one that I was like, oh, this is perfect, and uh, uh, looked for deals all over the place, found a deal online, ordered it, and it was getting delivered, and way back in those days, this was back in 2006, um, be, getting a delivery was a big thing. How many people remember the days when getting a delivery was a big deal? We get multiple deliveries at my house every week now, Sometimes multiple deliveries in a day, but in those days, it was a really big deal. So the truck pulled up, and before the guy got to my door, I was like a puppy. The door was open, and I was waiting for this guitar to show up, and he handed it to me. And I walked up the steps holding this thing reverently, and I set it down in the living room, and I opened up the box. And there was this beautiful case, and I took the case out, and I opened up the guitar case. And if you've ever opened up a brand new guitar, Greg, you know what I'm talking about, the smell. Oh, it just smells so beautiful. And I looked at this thing, and, and the finish on it was so gorgeous, and it made the wood grain just kind of pop out. It looked like it was three-dimensional, and I, I, I just like, oh, this is such a beautiful guitar. And I took it out, and I tuned it, tuned it up, and I strummed a big fat G chord, and it sounded so lovely. And I thought to myself, this is the perfect guitar. I will never need a guitar again. There is no guitar in the world like my guitar. I love this guitar, and I was just so content. And then a couple of weeks later, Greg showed up with a new guitar. <laughs> and I looked at that guitar, and I said, look at that guy's guitar. And his guitar did a whole bunch of different stuff that my guitar didn't do. And all of a sudden, all that contentment kind of leaked out. Now, I'm, I'm over-dramatizing this a little bit. Like, I'm happy for Greg to have his guitar. I really stu still do like my, my guitar, even though I don't uh, play it as much as I used to anymore. But, but you've had a situation like that. I know you've, you have. Like, give me a, a nod if you've had a situation like that, where you, you were so content with something, and then it just leaked out. And that's because contentment leaks. But here's the thing. Even for those of us who would say, I'm content, yes, I'm content, we, I'm convinced, don't understand contentment the way that Paul's talking about it. And the reason is because Paul is talking about the type of contentment that is independent of circumstances. He literally does not have enough to eat he doesn't have enough to sustain himself, and he says, guys, I am content. And that's mind-blowing for us. How is that possible to be content when we don't even have, well, I'll tell you why it's possible, because we have been discipled, we have been catechized as materialists. It is unthinkable to us that someone could be content independent of something material. There's a multi-billion dollar uh, um, uh, advertising, uh, uh, what's what I'm looking for, program in the world where the whole goal of all advertising is to convince you that no, you are not content. Your phone is one year old, guess what? It is so ancient now. And that phone is nothing compared to this brand new phone that moves 0.6% faster than your phone, right? 
we are we have a really hard time differentiating between contentment and material stuff. And Paul says, listen, there is a secret. There is a secret to being content in any and every situation. There is a secret. And if you get this locked down, this could be revolutionary for your life. And we see the secret in verse, six, uh, verse 13. What does verse 13 say? It says, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. You want to be content? It's really hard because contentment leaks. You want to be content? How does that happen? I can do this through Christ who strengthens me. How much of our anxiety is tied directly to our material possessions? Think about that for a minute. How much of your anxiety is tied directly to uh, you worrying about your material possessions. And if you were able to be content with what you have, how much of your anxiety would, would dissipate like, like mist in the morning sun if you're able to be content? How many times have we actually said to ourselves, I have enough. I have enough. I don't need anything else. When was the last time you said that to yourself? Or are we the type of people who no matter what we have, we are always working on, always building towards the next thing, always looking towards the next thing to get, the next stuff, the next thing, as if that's where our happiness is going to come from. So no, I can do all things is not about shooting three-pointers better. It's not about feats of athletic achievement or anything else. It's about something much more difficult and challenging and rare. When Paul said, I can do all these things through Christ who strengthens me, what he was talking about was the ability to be content even in crazy circumstances. And I'm going to take this a little bit further to the point where this might stick in our craw a little bit, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. I will say that if we are not people who are content, there's a pretty good chance that we don't know Jesus as well as we think we do. I can be content, whatever the circumstances. Even if I don't have enough to eat, how is that possible? through Christ who strengthens me. That's point number one. There's gonna be two words that I want us to latch on to this morning. The first word is contentment. Can you say contentment? contentment. The second thing that I think we need to be uh, uh, careful with though, with what we're talking about this morning is that, um, well, okay, these are, the, what we're talking about this morning is not one of those things that fits well into like uh, soundbite culture. You know what I'm talking about, soundbite culture? I'm not sure if you've seen, uh, but uh, Bobby, playing bass this morning, has been doing an awesome job pulling out little sound bites, snippets from, from our sermons and posting them on our social platforms. He's doing a fantastic job with that. I'm not sure this sermon is going to work very well for that because even though we, we are, even though yes, it is true uh, that we need to be content in every and any situation and, and Jesus can help us do that, the temptation in talking like that is that when we hear it, we immediately think, oh, 
here's this other person over here. They really need to hear this message. How many of us, if we're honest, when we are talking about contentment, how many of us didn't have another na- uh, person's name or another person's face pop into our mind? And how many of us didn't think to ourselves, boy, that person really needs to be content. That person really needs to learn this. I'd be willing to bet that if we went up and down these rows, almost every single one of us or every single one of us would uh, have had that happen to us. And do you know how I know? Because it happened to me. As I'm processing through this and kind of writing this stuff down, I had other people's faces popping in my mind. Boy, they really need to get this. No, no. You know who really needs to get this? This guy. I really need to get this. So um, it, is, it is radically ungodly to hear about contentment and how we need to be content and then worry about someone else and their contentment. No, that's not how this works. God wants us to be content. Why? So that we can be generous. That's the second word that I want us to really lock into this morning. The first word is content or contentment. The second word is generous. Say generous. Very good. And generosity, being generous, is what Paul commends the Philippians for. Look at verse 14. Look at verse 14. Paul says, Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. Mm. I'm not looking for money for you, from you. I'm looking for, for more to be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. The Philippians gave to Paul out of their poverty. We need to understand this. They didn't have extra money lying around that they were like, well, you know, we could uh, uh, go down to the casino and blow this on the slots or we could send it to Paul, right? They gave out of their poverty. They did less so that Paul could have what he needed as he was spreading the gospel. Now, it's important to notice that in verse 17, Um, Paul is very clear. He's not looking to get rich. He is looking that their spiritual account could have uh, credits added to it. I don't exactly know how that works in glory, but I believe it. I thought long and hard about how to say this next thing, and I want to be careful with how I say it. Um, Not, okay, I, I think our radar should be on high alert when there are those, especially those who are ministers of the gospel of Christ, who live lavishly. I'm not saying that ministers of the gospel or Christians in general need to be like destitute. I'm not saying that. Paul said, he himself said, I know what it is to have plenty. I know what it is to have what I need. And I know what it is to be in want. What Paul didn't know about was how to be lavish. 
And especially, like there's this weird thing where, um, let, me, let me just say it like this, we need to be careful with those who claim to be ministers of the gospel who live lavishly. When Val and I got married, one of the things that we resolved as a family that we were going to do is, is whatever the Lord had for us, whatever ministry he had for us, we would step into that independent of finances. In other words, if the Lord called us to do it, we were gonna do it and the money part didn't matter. Probably don't need that on the screen right now. The money part didn't matter and that was a good thing because our, our first ministry, we, um, <laughs> we were, it, it was so interesting because this little church uh, that we were a part of in, uh, in Northern Ontario, um, they had only ever had one person on staff. They'd never had a second staff any, uh, at, at any point and they didn't know if they could afford us and, and we didn't know if we could afford it. And, and for the, the first number of years that we uh, were ministering up there, we were well below the line of poverty in Canada. <laughs> Uh, well below. Um, and as a matter of fact, the only way that we were like, able to even make ends meet was uh, through uh, godly parents who loved us and wanted to make sure that we didn't go hungry, right? It, it also helped when we had a baby because then they really weren't going to let that guy go hungry. <laughs> but listen, the only way we, we made ends meet was uh, godly parents who loved us enough to, to help us get through. And um, that obviously has changed. Like, it's not like that for us anymore, especially Blue Water has been very, very generous with us. And I've had to, over the past while, just kind of, um, I've had times where I've had to sit down and sort of process through my own heart, like take a look at my own soul. Like, okay, we are very comfortable now. The Lord has been very gracious to us. Am I willing to let all this go if the Lord called us to that. How much do I love the stuff that we have? How much trust am I putting in my retirement savings account? What if the government said, hey, you need to do this or don't do that against your conscience, against the scripture, and the consequences to you disobeying on this is that we're going to fine you so that you lose everything or you're gonna to go to prison. By the way, that has happened to pastors in Canada not that long ago. Do I love my stuff enough to be unfaithful to what the Lord has called us to, called me to, would my love of what I have keep me from doing that? I want to throw some verses out in front of you that should guide our thinking because this is not just a question that uh, pastors need to think through. Look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. We'll throw it on the screen for you. We'll throw, uh, this is what Jesus said. He said, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What do I value? What do I treasure? Look at Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. Confirms what Jesus said. Hebrews 13 said, Keep your lives free from the love of money. And be, there's that word. What's that word? Be content with what you have, because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you, which looks an awful lot what we saw in Philippians 4, verse 19, right? That sounds an awful lot like verse 19. 
Now, the Philippians modeled Jesus in their generosity, and this is hugely important for us to remember. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. Paul says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. This is exactly what the Philippians lived out. And I think the overriding, overriding ethos that we should have regarding money and regarding stuff is found in Proverbs chapter 30, and here's what it says. Now remember, this is proverbial literature. This is not a promise like um, the rest of Scripture, but it's so interesting. Look at what the wisdom says. It says, two things I ask of you, Lord. Do not refuse me before I die. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. Like the first one of those, right? Like if we have too much, we may become, uh, we, um, we may disown him and say, who is the Lord? Like does that not sound like our culture? Does that not sound like too many of us? So what are we to take from this? I want you to remember these couple words. The first one, content, contentment. We can be content in any and every situation. How? Through Christ who strengthens us. The second one, generosity. God has not blessed you to absorb material wealth on yourself. God has blessed you to be a blessing to others. Use the wealth that God has given you such that your spiritual account becomes full. Credit your spiritual account. Don't worry so much about your uh, physical bank accounts. So, as we conclude our series through Philippians, let's read the last couple of verses that he has, his final greetings. Look at verse 21. He says, Greet all God's people in, G in Christ Jesus. The brothers and sisters who are with me send greetings. All God's people here send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. So, the next time you see someone with a tattoo or a t-shirt or a bumper sticker or on their social account that says Philippians 4.13, I can do all things, Remember, it's not about shooting three-pointers better. It's not about any of that. What is it about? I can be content, whatever the circumstance, because of what Jesus has done for us and in his power, he strengthens us to do that. That is why and that is how we can be joyful. Let's pray together. God, thank you. You have been incredibly gracious to us. You have blessed us beyond measure. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be a people who are content. Help us to be a people who say, I have enough. Help us to be a people who are generous. Lord, I pray that you would help us this week to continue to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's to him that we give all glory now and forever. Amen. Thanks, friends. You're dismissed. And you're loved. <laughs>